And we're live from the res here with special guest, the one, the only, Anthony T. Sam, a.k.a. most people know him as Ant, a.k.a. most people know him on the res here as old kickstand. How you doing today, man? <laughs> Did anybody still call you that? Yeah. Now that you're all yeah. settled down and everything, you're still yeah, kickstand? Every once in a while, I've run into the old folks that call me that. Not the old folks, but the old homies. Yeah. They still call me kickstand or kick or... There's probably they, people that's that's all they know you by a bit, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Some people just come up to me and call me Kickstand. They don't even know my first name. To be <laughs> no. Do, do they know why they call you that though? No, I don't think you so. You don't share that. Only certain no, people know that one. Yeah. Most people don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when you told me that. I said this guy's lying. <laughs> but I, I think most people thought think uh, Kickstand uh, back in the day they probably thought that because you used to ride bikes a lot. Yeah. Your brother and you oh, guys yeah, used to ride bikes. That, and that's what I used to tell people too, like when, because I have it tattooed on my knuckles. Yeah, what is, what does kickstand mean? And I say, it's it's because I used to ride motorcycles back in the day. <laughs> I used to jump freestyle. I, you didn't have your size matter shirt back then. Yeah, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> uh, do you miss riding bikes, or do you still get out there a little bit? Ah, uh, no, I I cruise around on the fifty with my son, but other than that, nothing. Nothing competitive, no, nothing crazy. I don't, ride, I don't ride the big bikes no more. I had a ramp when I was younger. I had a 250, and since I have a kid and a family, and I've toned it down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but for sure. I don't want to get hurt. I gotta, I gotta keep my job up. I gotta keep the money coming in, so I don't jump no more. Yeah, because I can't just get on the bike and ride. I gotta. When I ride, I gotta ride hard. Yeah, you gotta you gotta go for it, jump and do all the. Yeah. I used to ride quads, and then like like when it got to the step where every you know you learn how to really jump good, and you know, and, and it's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to hurt myself. Yeah. Because if you're around that long enough, everyone's got like a busted shoulder, or clavicle, or they're like, they you know like a messed up heel because they wrecked somewhere. Like it oh, seems yeah. like everyone's all beat up. Oh yeah, that's how I, I injured my shoulder. I whipped it on my ramp and couldn't bring it back smashed right into the right into the ground that's how it first injured and it didn't dislocate and then um i was sliding the second base in high school and it dislocated then but it all it all came back to writing yeah yeah, yeah. i remember like uh well when you're young not that i'm not much older than you but i'm a little bit hey <laughs> old guy got some grades in here but i remember like back in the day man like um well, when I was a little kid, no one even had cars, really. I mean, there was people who had some cars. Everybody's kind of jumping on them. But I remember when, like, uh, we got our industry going and the people had a little bit of mo money. And then you start seeing the motorcycles, the quads. And then the res was just, like, lit with motorcycle. Oh, Every day yeah. you just hear. And it's been kind of cool because, like, there was a long period of time recently where you didn't hear much of that. But now with everybody on quarantine on the res, it's like, and the gas prices have dropped. I know people are oh, out, yeah. like, trying to keep their kids busy. Because oh, yeah. I'm seeing all the youngsters on, up here by the track, and they're all just riding like crazy. Oh, yeah. Get out of the house. Go <laughs> yeah. get on your dirt bike. Go to the track. <laughs> Let's go down, down below or something, mm -hmm. you know? I've seen everybody on Instagram posting these sick pics. I'm like, damn, I want to go down there, man. Oh, get the yeah, rhinos man. out and stuff like that. It's not like it used to be, though. Like it, like you said, back in the day when we were younger, it, it there was dirt bikes all over the place. It was... We rode all the time. Everybody had a quad. Everybody had a dirt bike. Yeah. This was before rhinos and razors and mm -hmm. stuff like that. You know, everybody would meet at the track and 
have a good time. Yeah, it was know. good times, man. You know what's weird too is I don't think people think of like natives on on bikes and quads and stuff. I don't I don't think that's an image that you would see. <laughs> yeah, but it's well, like res is all be about riding, man. Yeah, SoCal, anyways. Yeah, my cousin Jake, he he raced professional supercross. Yeah, that's right. The Monster Energy Supercross, and mm-hmm. he was pretty damn good at it. Like he rode on the track. He learned at the track up here. Yeah. You know, he didn't he didn't have no special trainers at the time or anything like that. I I watched him come up. We got our our first dirt bikes the same year. I was like probably 14. I got my 80 and I think he got a 120 uh little four stroke 125. Yeah. And we take him over to the track and little do we know that he'd be racing pro supercross. Yeah. And we wouldn't, you know, he he just tore it up. He ripped it up. He took what he wanted to do and ran with it. I remember I knew he was serious about it because I seen him on his like a bicycle, like on a mountain bike or whatever. Yeah. And he was riding and um I forgot, maybe I was hiking or something. I just seen him randomly and he, and I was like, Oh, you, you know, like you like riding, you know, like uh like mountain bikes or whatever. And he was just kinda like, Yeah, well I also kinda like it's for training too for the motocross. Yeah. I was just like, Well, this dude's trained to ride motocross. Like yeah. most people who are serious about it just go ride a lot, you know. Yeah. But to think like I want to advance my cardio a little bit more, yeah. you could just see the discipline in him. He was down to go yeah, take no, the next he, level. He was pushing it to the next level. He wanted to get his endurance up and he he wanted to go to the next level. He actually moved to uh, the East Coast and was living out there for a while. And my uncle Chuck, his dad, was uh, still living out here, taking care of my auntie. And he would go back there, back to the East Coast with Jake and help him out. And he he was his mechanic. Yeah. He kept going back and forth, and at the same time, he held down his job. I forget what he does. I think he's iron worker or something like that. And but when they seen what Jake could do, they put their whole life on hold. My aunt Sis and my uncle Chuck, so they could take Jake to the next level in Supercross. Yeah. And he made it, man. He was yeah. doing it. I remember just like seeing the clips. It was cool. And it was cool too to see people outside the res that like I knew from other places and they would be like, they would know him. They'd be like, yeah, man, you guys got a good, you know, mm-hmm. a good writer out there and stuff. So that, that's always cool to get some acknowledgement, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's cool. To, it was, I remember like I look back at that time period and it was like, man, everybody was writing. It seemed like everyone kind of chilled together. There was a lot of like uh, togetherness and stuff like that. Oh, you yeah. know? Now it's all everyone's on their phones and yeah, I guess, you know, the younger crowd. But it's rough because it's like it's not healthy. Like the riding the the um, like when you're out riding bikes and stuff, you know, it's uh, you know if you're getting if you're getting broken, that's not healthy, obviously. Yeah. But if you're out there, you know, like you know, man, it's hard to be out of shape and do that all the time. Yeah, I mean, you're burning calories. I was I forget who I was talking to about it um, not too long ago, and I was like, you know what? When I was a kid. I went out and I made jumps like out of tires. I stacked up tires yeah. on my bicycle before I even had a dirt bike. You know, I'd stack up as many tires as I could, put a plank of board, board plank and jump it, land on flat ground. And I didn't care, you know? Yeah. That's just what I did for fun. Like me and all the cousins would do that, see who could jump the most tires and Nowadays, all the kids just want to sit inside on their phones and the tablets. And 
I'm like, nah, like to my kids, I'm like, nah, you get outside. I'm, yeah. I have my son out there shoveling dirt on, on a little jump that he made. Yeah. I, I don't like the new lifestyle of phones and tablets and stuff like that. I just, I, I, especially out here, I want to see them get outside and utilize what we have out here you know i know we got a lot of land right now man like you see people on tv you know with the the quarantine and all that like mm-hmm. i feel bad for people locked in uh like apartment complexes with kids and oh, things. Yeah. They, the, the parks are closed down mm-hmm. you go down the street and people kind of hating on you a little bit like yeah. I, I just can't imagine just staying in a confinement like that like exactly. that literally is like jail you know exactly. and it's like us we have the um we're isolated you know which at one point sucks economically because it's like you know, they didn't have the ability to get jobs and all mm-hmm. these kind of things for a long time. Our people being out here on the reservation, but now it's like history's kind of turned, you know, turned it counterclockwise where it's like, now we're in a good position because yeah. we're, we're isolated away from all that craziness. And if I want to take my kids for a walk up the hill and go hiking, yeah. it's just out my back door, exactly. you know, and they're safe and, and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. And, and then, yeah, they have an opportunity to connect with nature and, and see that, you know, we're just small specks of something greater, you know, oh, yeah. the beauty of the sky, the beauty of the land and, and, um, you know, riding, getting that physical activity like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's pretty cool. It's been cool seeing the, the kids back out there riding and stuff like that. Yeah. I love, I love to see the, the kids outside doing, doing their thing outside. It, it sucks to like, it doesn't suck like all the technology, but at the same time you get these kids that are like literally stuck on their phones yeah. or they throw a fit if they don't have their phone or their tablet like i i built my son a um i got a mini excavator mm-hmm. and i built him an underground fort it, it, oh that's cool it was actually for me hey. that's something i wanted my whole life <laughs> yeah, as yeah. a kid but it's like five feet deep it's 10 by 10 and then it has a hallway to another little about you saw the new by, Rambo, just admit yeah. it. Hey. <laughs> another 10 by 10 hole in the ground to another long hallway with another little like uh, 8 by 8 room. So yeah. it's, it's a little three room underground floor. That's cool. That's but really I, cool. I, I told him, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to pay for nothing because he's like, Dad, how do, how do I cover the top of it? I was like, use your imagination, dude. Yeah. I said, there's, go over to grandpa's, there's wood over there, there's things over there that you can grab from around, around the house, like, to cover it up, use your imagination, boy. Yeah. And now, like, I, I started working with them, and we got a cover over one of the rooms, we got a little couch in it, and I want to build them a little, um, what's it called, uh, a little fireplace in it, and a little smokestack so he can keep warm in it if he wants to go in, into it and in like the summertime when it's a little chilly outside or whatnot but it's something i i want him to like learn adult life at the same time that he's using his imagination you know learning yeah. how to build yeah. but at the same time being a kid still you know sure sure so that's powerful, man. Cause you know, you never know, like that might spark an interest when he's an adult yeah. or when he's like that 18, 19, 20 year old, you know, I think a lot of our, are like a lot of our kids and they're like 18 to like 25. A 
a lot of them didn't have opportunities like that. Mm-hmm. So they sit there and go like, well, I don't even know what I like, you know, like they don't have nothing to draw upon. Yeah. Whereas I think sometimes if kids have those experiences. They can go, you know, I, one of the best memories I have was when I was a kid, I was building, you know, home like this, this yeah. fort. That might make them want to go do um, you engineering. Know, engineering, man. Yeah. They might want to go build homes or be an architect. Yeah, or, exactly. Or anything like that. Yeah. You know, I always think that. Yeah, There's like spark an interest mm-hmm. in something, you know. But I, in a worst case scenario, he doesn't do that, and he has a sick fort. He can enjoy it. Exactly. <laughs> I got a doghouse. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, uh, we used to do that in our. We're actually where I live right now. Uh-huh. This was a field. Yeah. Because I live next to my parents. Uh-huh. We come out here and we, uh, yeah, we would dig. Uh, uh, with by hand with shovels, we mm-hmm. dig a kind of something like that, not yeah. so grandeur, but you know, like a yeah, nice little. Mine was never we there. had some board, same thing, do mm-hmm. whatever you can over the top, and then we'd build one on the other side of the ditch. And then, like, the locals up here, the res kids, like, we were all kind of split off into two armies, yeah. and then we would have dirt clod wars, yeah. And so, those oh, yeah. were like, you try to seize the other person's <laughs> fort, and then, like, I mean, you know, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, it's probably, I wouldn't, yeah, I don't know about no, my I kids, totally saying, but you're, you're breaking saying. these dirts and you're just like throwing them at people, you know what I mean. Yeah. And I remember my cousin, like, we put him down, like, in this area, and we covered him so he could, um, like, pop up, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And so, we went and attacked those guys, and then we let him kind of chase us, and then he jumped up in the middle and started throwing them at him. Oh, nice. But the problem was, is like, we didn't really think it that far through because yeah. now he pops up in front of like 10 kids, they're all throwing <laughs> dirt claws at him. So he yeah, got lumped up. Yeah. He got lumped up, dude. But luckily, luckily, he was like, you know, he was the skinniest of us and he could run and he yeah. just got out of there. But we're all throwing big lobs. But it was just fun, you know. I mean, I must have been like seven or eight. Like, yeah. We were just cracking each other with, you know, dirt claws and. And nobody wanted to get hurt because then it meant like we're all gonna get you whipped. Run back to your parents. <laughs> yeah, somebody's gonna run back to their parents. We all in trouble at that point. Try to shut them up real quick. Hey, you're okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> throwing rocks at each other. Yeah. Like starts out dirt clouds. You get a real mm-hmm. rock thrown. You're like, oh, yeah. we're throwing rocks you get now. Off you oh. get hit. <laughs> we uh one there was one year where the wind came and it just like I remember uh, we had a trailer in the backyard and just. It just made it like a tumbleweed, and the trailer was gone. Yeah. And all the metals was scrapped around the field. That was the year where, like, uh, down by your family over there, the, the roof came off the top. I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah. It was yeah, years yeah. ago. But, um, like, it took a whole roof off the house. Mm-hmm. And, and people were saying, like, um, there's people on the res that were, you know, like, drinking that night and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they said they were up when it came through. And they swore it was like a tornado came through yeah. this res, um, which is, like, we're not tornado alley. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's very rare. But living in this valley, the wind does purr. There is a chance, and I'm telling you, the people then were like, it was a tornado. We saw it come through, yeah. but the damage looked like it knocked trees over all oh, stuff. Yeah. But after that happened, we were out in the field, like, taking some of those metals, and we were, we were squaring them up, and we were folding them into, like, strips, and then we were, like, getting rocks and hitting them. And, like, at the end of the day, we were making swords, dude, and we were out there for, like, two weeks <laughs> sword fighting with each other. And we were, like, practicing that technique and stuff, and... I don't know, man. I remember some people got jacked up on their pants. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's like you hear about the Spartans, like how the kids used to train. Yeah. And it's like all those kids we grew up, and I ain't lying, like half wound up in jail. And I think about that sometimes. Yes. It's like they were all scrappers when we got older. Yeah. They were all trying to scrap people. See, but that's what we did, like all growing yeah. up. That's all we did was like fighting each other or mm-hmm. throwing rocks at each other. Oh, yeah. each always other. It's fighting like, each other. It's like, what the always hell? Always fighting each other. But it came in handy. I remember like in, uh, I must have been in third grade and I got off the bus and um, I just got jumped. I didn't even know what was going on. Little kids, like I was a little kid, but like some fifth graders grabbed me and they like they started to kind of like uh, rough me up real quick. And I was caught off guard, you know? Yeah. And, um, but I remember someone came in, uh, my godbrother came in like, 
I just remember I seen them coming from the left, dude, with a big push, yeah, and a big pop on the other next thing where they're scrapping these these dudes out, and um, you know, everything was good, but I was I always think back to that time because it's like, like my 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 uh, my god brother, you know, he um, like kind of saved me that day, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Same yeah. time as we got older, like that was his thing. He just fought, you know, he was yeah. a fighter, and then it turned into this and turned into that. Next thing you know, he got himself in some trouble, but you know, and he was locked up. And I think about that, you know, I'd be like, man, that sucks because it's like. That's kind of what we came up in, you know. Yeah. Like, have each other's back, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, oh, yeah. the behavior is not always the best, you know. Like you don't tell kids like. Yeah. Nowadays you don't tell kids like go scrap them up, go, you know. But yeah. I feel like when I was a little kid, I heard that um, from a lot of the people that I lived around, you know, in this neck of the res, you know, yeah. a lot of a lot exactly. of those kids were told that, you know, you go yeah. down there and scrap those kids up, they treat you bad and stuff. Oh yeah, I was, that was, a thing. I was always told, told, son, you're not gonna be the biggest kid in the. In the school, you're not going to be the strongest kid in the school, but I promise you that you're going to get picked on. And my dad told me, make sure you hit them first and you don't stop. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean, Dad? <laughs> yeah. I ain't going to lie. Until, I, got, until I, get, I got yeah. picked on, and then yeah. I did it. I did it. I started fighting. I started fighting. I started fighting. And then next thing you know, I had to start fighting for my little brother. And then the next little brother. Yeah, you're fighting for all the cousins and yeah. everything else. Yeah. It's something it's something that we just yeah. had to do, you know? Yeah. I don't know what it was like around here, like the the white boys or something in Alpine didn't had a thing against the Indian boys or something. Yeah. I don't I don't know. But like, I, I think about that sometimes because yeah. it seemed like that. It definitely yeah. seemed like that. Like that there was definitely like a uh I don't know if it was a rivalry. I don't know if it was generational, but it was like, it wasn't like nobody was looking for it, but it was like definitely a coping mechanism to yeah. defend yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I fought a lot of times in school and I, looking back, like very few of those times did I want to or did I engage? It was like, you kind of had to, you know? Yeah. Like at a time, people swinging on me. Like, whoa, I walked in the bathroom one time and someone swung on me like that. And looking back, I was just a little kid, you yeah. know? Like I didn't need that heat. Exactly. But it was like something that I didn't know I was training for, but apparently, hey, when we're throwing dirt clods, right. you get hit in the face, it don't hurt. <laughs> So when someone punches you, you're like, you're like, oh, it's not that big deal. You know yeah. what I mean? But it's something like you just, uh, I don't know. It was like you just kind of were um, put into that that fishbowl like that, you know, like the, in, uh, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. And it was very much like taking care of each other, you know, and it was, it's, and it was just like an environment, like everyone was kind of like together. Like you got on the Indian bus, all the Indians sat in the back, you know, mm-hmm. and didn't matter tribal politics or nothing like that. It was just like everyone was kind of together. Yeah. You know, you know who was funny, you know, who was crazy, you know, who was you know, whatever, you know, there were some kids that were on the straight up and up and, um, you know, they didn't get involved in anything. You yeah. know, like they were the, they were going to get the Clarence Brown award or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? So then the other kids would protect them. You know what I mean? We're going to, yeah. we're not going to let this kid get beat up or yeah. get taken advantage of or whatever. Exactly. And so everybody kind of took care of each other, you know, I think that's good memories to have, man. Oh yeah. Like we, we, we used to fight with each other too. I remember like back in the day, me and Rob, used to fight with, or I used to fight with Gooby. Now, Gooby's one of my best friends, you yeah. know? Like, me and Rob used to fight with Bo and Darren. Like, now Bo and Darren are, are good friends, too, you know? Yeah. Like, it it comes full circle, you know? It's yeah. it's, it's kind of a trip. Yeah, it really but, is. But it's, it's cool because it's like everybody, uh, we're all in it together, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's weird because, like, uh, I know for, like, my perspective, being on the res, 
you see a lot of different kind of families and they have different like upbringings or teachings or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's like we all live together so long. Like at the end of the day, we're all we're all so damn similar. You know what I mean? We will have a lot of the same ways and it's like yeah. we jive. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, man, we wouldn't be here for all these years. You know I mean? <laughs> right. We've all been shooting at each other <laughs> exactly. and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, I when I think of um like that fighting and stuff like that, it's crazy because like we're not the only culture that experiences that. Mm -hmm. Like you look at, like the Hawaiians. I know that yeah. they like uh, what's his name, BJ Penn, Baby yeah. J. He's over there. I know he talked a lot about like when he would grow up. You know, he'd be out in the streets fighting, you know, scrapping. Yeah. You know, and Brandon Vera. Brandon Vera, same thing. Yeah. You know, just they're just scrapping, and then they were like, oh, we're gonna turn that over into becoming like you know MMA and exactly. stuff like that. And it's like um. They were fighting before it was MMA. They're fighting, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It was like they were naturally already training yeah, for that. Yeah. And it's like they did. a lot of res dudes are like that mm -hmm. too. I think you know. Yeah. You've you've done MMA. Yeah. You fought. You've yeah. you've been in that. Yeah. You didn't you didn't start fighting when you were training. You were already fighting before you started training, right? Well, I I grew up. My mom. I didn't. I played soccer all my life. I played baseball, yeah. and then I wanted to get away from baseball and soccer, so. My mom's like, you're not going to go without doing a sport. Mm -hmm. So she signed me up for uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu yeah. For, uh, my cousin Manuel from Verona um, told my mom about it. So I started doing Jiu-Jitsu. I was already scrapping with Gooby and stuff down here. But... <laughs> I, I remember you guys all being young yeah, too, man. You guys are a wild class. Yeah. You know what, dude? There was like what, like twenty of you all. Yeah. Like it seemed like a couple years older than you. There was like four or five kids in that grade level. Uh -huh. My class there was only a couple kids, but then like when you all came through, to my nephew David, like Black Dan, uh -huh. all these dudes. There's like oh, there's yeah. like twenty of you all. Oh, damn, yeah, the Triple H, your cousin, all that. Yeah. It was just like a big class of. I was yeah. like, oh, dude, they must be wrecking those schools, <laughs> dude. They must be wrecking. They hated it. It was all they hated kids, us. Dude. Oh, you're a T Sam. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh man yeah so i i came through i i really wasn't much of a fighter at the time i just used my voice to like intimidate people you know like i i really didn't want to fight because i was smaller i was skinnier i didn't want to do do anything you know i didn't want to get hurt and then somebody started picking on my brother at Alpine Elementary and I hit him for the first time I hit the dude and I really hurt him and it just clicked in my head I was like this is kind of cool you know mm -hmm. I didn't take advantage of it but then like I said my mom signed me up for jiu-jitsu I was kind of in my mid-teen years like in between adolescent and teen and she signed me up for jiu-jitsu and i started doing that i fell in love with jiu-jitsu i love brazilian jiu-jitsu and after that i was like all right this is this is really cool i could take this and run with it well then i got into some trouble as as a teen around here you know at, at the time there was a lot of money going around the res at the time. I was probably like 15, 16 years old. And my parents shipped me away. Yeah. So I had a, I had a lot of anger then. And I kept like doing my thing. Like at that, I, I got shipped away to a boarding school. 
you know, I, I kept doing my thing at the boarding school, like trying to trying to train as much as I could without getting in trouble for training per se, because they thought I was I was trying to be a violent kid. Mm-hmm. And like when I was at I was in a boarding school in Montana, I was with Nick, Bonnie, um, Nicole. Nicole, yeah um i remember she i remember she said though that you you stood up for a lot of those kids she told me a bunch of times she said that because there were some of them were younger than you uh and like people would try to pick on them and and she said you always like stood up for everybody yeah i didn't take take no shit you know Mm because i I was the oldest one out of all of them there and they would make racist comments towards like we weren't allowed to talk the boys and the girls weren't allowed to talk but being so close to each other, like I could hear what the people were saying to Nicole and Bonnie and them. And I could hear because Nick was in what they call a family. Mm-hmm. He he was right next door to me. I could hear what they're talking shit to him about, you know, mm-hmm. and it pissed me off. Like, I'm not going to let somebody disrespect my people like that you know yeah so i i fought adults Mm -hmm. you know i fought adults in these boarding schools i got kicked out of a boarding school in montana because i whooped the shit out of a grown-ass man i tore both of his acls and his shoulder out they called my mama my dad they're like you got 24 hours to get this kid out of here we're sending sending him to Jamaica, yeah, because they don't got child abuse laws down there. Yeah, you know, I uh, I knew a guy that went to Jamaica, and they told me that he told me that they were like um, locking kids to the yeah. ground. They were like With locking them down straight. Out. Yeah, and they're like leave them there for days yeah. at a time. They'd have to urinate and uh, shit on themselves yeah. and everything, and uh, they'd come and hose them, and then like they'd starve them out, maybe give them a little bit of food once yeah. a day. Just like totally like uh, John Rambo type, you know, like uh, prisoners of war yeah, type exactly. behavior to break the kid's psyche. Mm-hmm. And then I guess I guess the thought process was that if you break the kid down, then you build them back up, you know. And I remember my my uh, my niece got back from that. St- she didn't go to Jamaica, but she was at the school you're mm-hmm. talking about. And I remember we were at a um, we had like a welcoming back dinner for her. Yeah. And then she like raised her hand and said, uh, "Can I get some some salt?" Yeah. And we were like, "Wait, what? What? Get the goddamn salt? What are you doing?" She goes, "I'm sorry." She goes. But that's like what we've been doing. Like yeah. you have to ask for that's just salt. How I, yeah. yeah, you have to. Um, I think you're lazy. I'll get you a drink right there, man. Yeah. Um, I, you know, you have to ask for yeah. salt. You have to ask for all of these things. Yeah. Or else, like, uh, you get reprimanded. You get reprimanded. They yeah. take points away, and then you don't get. You don't raise your hand. You don't get no salt. Yeah. You don't raise your hand. You don't get no water with your food. You don't, or whatever there was. I remember she was saying that. I was yeah, like, what I, the hell? One of the things. One of the things too. Like, I was. It, it was a point system. You had level one, level two, level three, level four, level five. And when you finish level five, you graduated and you can go home. Mm-hmm. Well, I was at level four. And, like, I was walking. I forget where. Like, I think we were walking to the chow hall or something. And Nicole looks at me and she goes, help, cousin. Like, she kind of mouthed it to me. And I was like, I kind of looked at her strange, like, what'd you say? She goes, help, cousin. And she goes, watch. And she did something. 
and they snatched her up and took her to this room called the Hobbit. The Hobbit was a boarded up room with expanded metal, two wooden bunks. It was worse than jail. Way worse than jail. And I was like, this shit cannot be happening to my family, you know? Like, what? what is going on? Why did we even get sent here? Yeah. Like, are we that bad at children? Yeah, you were. Hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, I, honestly, honestly yeah. yeah, we did we did some bad shit, but I don't think we just Nicole was. What, no, we, just <laughs> what we went through. No, you know, I was on education uh, committee at that time. Yeah. And I remember um, parents here were excited about that program. They were like, yeah, great results because, you know, th- they were sold this idea yeah. by the people who recruit the students. Yeah. So I remember they when it, when you guys sold. came back, they yeah, were yeah, sold. When you guys ridiculous. came back and the word really got out, everyone was like, "Wait, what's going on?" And I remember it was it was pretty soon that it was kind of a done deal. We weren't yeah. saying no kids no, over there. What happened, that was what, terrible. What happened was when I was in that school, and it, it it kind of took me back to what my my grandmother said she went through when she was taken to boarding schools. Yeah. Like she kind of explained it to me a little bit, but she wouldn't explain it to me all the way where she was, where she was swooped up and just taken to boarding schools and just made to stay there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But when we got there, like it, it was Charlotte, Charlotte sold the school to, Mm -hmm. obviously my parents. Yeah. There was a whole crop. You all. Yeah. Like, I remember that. And when I got kicked out, I told, because when they told my parents, oh, you got so many, you got 24 hours to get your son out of here. We're sending him to Jamaica. When I went to the other boarding school in Utah, I told them everything that fucking happened at that school. Everything. That school is now shut down. It got shut down like three months after I left there because mm-hmm. of what I, what I told them. Yeah. And the school, I was like, you got to get all of my cousins. When I went to the new school in Utah, I was, I was, when I got settled in, I was like, you got to get my cousin, Nicole, Bonnie, Nick, um, Richard. You got to get all of them out of that school. That's a fucking bad school. Like, Charlotte sold these people. I don't know if she was getting a kickback or not, but she sold all of our parents on that school. You know, I was on education at that time. And I, I think what happened was um, we'd gone like, cause I remember that when I graduated high school and I was yeah. in college, you know, like before the year before I graduated or two years before that, like the graduation rate was like, like almost nobody Yeah. because, you know, especially when like industry started, we had a, you know, we had a casino starting and yeah. people were just like, oh, I don't need to work. And I remember well, like yeah, kids in class being like, funds. dude, I remember a kid yeah. told the principal, like, I don't need to do anything. I'll make more money than you. And yeah. I remember being like, Oh damn, he just said that to an adult. Yeah. But I mean, that was like, people kind of had that mentality. Like I don't mm-hmm. need none of this trust funds, all this kind of stuff on the table. Mentality. Least, I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. But you know, what happened was, okay, they said, okay, we're going to put education requirements. You have to get a diploma. You have to do these financial class, you know, all these things in order to get any kind of money. Um, and so parents kind of become a little bit more woke. And a lot of the parents that have no education themselves. Yeah. You know, there's, exactly. no, there's not a lot of yeah. people that are educated in our community. 
but they did want to do something good for their kids. Yep. And so they're like, well, now we have resources. So what does it look like to educate our kids? Mm-hmm. And I think we went through like 10 years in this community of like, what does that look like? What does a good education department or program look like? And we made a lot of mistakes. And that's probably the biggest one for sure. But I think that's what that was. Because I remember people like happy, like we're going to send the kids. They're going to have all these skills and discipline and they're going to take over the world. And then little did everybody know we were just sending kids to go get abused. Yeah. Like they can get abused at home. You know what I mean? We, we don't got, send them over there for we, that. We got sent away to get slaughtered, basically. Yeah. yeah. Like it was, it, honestly, I was there. I was at the school in Montana for eight months mm-hmm. until I got kicked out. But once I got kicked out and I told the new school that I went to what was going on at the that old school, that school got shut down. There's still lawsuits going yeah, on. Yeah, I've heard I'm, that. I'm on, yeah. I'm on uh, Facebook um, groups that are still having lawsuits about that school. Yeah. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Like, I don't... Like, like you said, that was one of the biggest mistakes probably the education has ever done because basically... The education sent us away to get slaughtered. I don't know if it was Charlotte, what, whatnot, but they did not know what they were sending us to. Yeah, yeah we, we, you know, I don't think anybody had, like I said, like it came out of a good intention, you know, like yeah. a, a place of care. Yeah. We want to create good, we want to strengthen our youth. And, exactly. I, and I, but there's a big lesson there. Like, you know, you have, um, Education is a business, you know, like mm-hmm. right now, a lot of people are really looking into like, should I get a college education? Is the loans something I should really take on? Or what, what do I want for my kid? You know, exactly. am I training my kid to be an employee instead of a, uh, instead of an owner, you yeah. know, like, should I be, what, 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 what do we do with our kids, man? Yeah. How do we train them? All of our traditional stuff has been thrown out the window, kind of like, you know, um, cause they've taken a lot of those ceremonies away in the history. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what do you do with your kids? How do you, we always say the kids are our future. They're our exactly. investment. Yeah. Well, what does that look like? And I'm telling you, like even resource, if you have the resources, it's not just a switch. You, you flick and go, okay, now all our kids are going to be college grads. They're all going to yeah. be business owners. They're all going to be, you know, they're going to be able to fight for us in the court system for sovereignty law. It's like, that doesn't happen because no. they're carrying all of that generational trauma, but they're also carrying the knowledge that their parents have. That's what they were taught. Yeah. And it's like, if the parents don't have college degrees or if the parents don't own businesses or if the parents, you know, have social ills, the ki- you know, what are the kids going to carry forward? And it's like, yeah, I look back at that and I, it's crazy to think that we came so far as a nation to that point, getting yeah. away from the boarding school stuff all of our grandparents had to go through and yeah. then it's like we sent a whole class of kids to go get that same treatment yeah I and, was, and because we just were sold on an idea you know yeah I was, so we should always be skeptical man i was 14 at the time and at the, mm-hmm. uh, the youngest at the time was benny and yeah. he was like six years old dude oh wow and at the time he graduated from the boarding school that i yeah got transferred to yeah. I mean, I don't know if he was six. He was probably six or eight. He was eight tiny kid, the, so he yeah. might have been twelve. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but just kidding. Yeah, Shout out to Benny. Shout out. He, either or, but yeah, he, yeah. He he spent a lot of time sure. in that boarding school. The boarding school I graduated from is called Lots Legacy. Mm-hmm. I I give them mass props as they they helped me out quite a bit. Yeah. I graduated. Um, as a senior, when I got there, I only had freshman credits. Mm-hmm. 
and I graduated taking um, college credits from Brigham Young University. I was Utah All-State second baseman. I had the ha highest batting average in the state. Um, I had a bunch of scholarships, baseball scholarships. Um, I'm not going to get Nick in here, too, because I want him to brag about his wrestling. He always yeah. throws it out. Oh, uh, like, he's <laughs> a lion sack of shit. Hey! <laughs> he's always like, I yeah. was all state in wrestling. Yeah. I was like, I know he was wrestling, but you don't have to go that far. Uh, he might have been, though. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, no, it was a good – it looked like a good program. You guys are, like, we're dealing with, like uh, – uh, horses and stuff out yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. too. It was just the same, yeah. same shit that I was doing out here. Yeah. Like, with my family horses, cows. That's a whole like, other yeah, thing right there, that's man. That's what I like, loved. That's what I loved about it. I think back of being a young man, and I, I mean, I ain't gonna lie, I really like not having cows all over the goddamn oh, res anymore. Yeah. That was such a pain. Yeah, but it, look out for them when you're all. Yeah. But it was cool having, like, everybody kind of, like, a lot of people having horses still, you know, and, mm -hmm. like, having uh, people ride horses around and, like, having that knowledge. And my sister had a horse when I was growing up um, called Apache. I got thrown off that a couple of times. But hey. it wasn't my – that was a chubby kid, too. Yeah. I look like the kid from like, my – Get the fuck on me. I look like the bad kid in Dances with Wolves, you know what I mean, <laughs> on that horse. But anyways, but, um, but I remember your family was, like, one of the last uh, – Ones that were really doing it, you know. Yeah. And we, like even we, Ship still kind of does it, right? Yeah. You guys still got some, some uh, not so much. I don't know about, I don't know about shit. Maybe not uh, shit, but your your family has a little something. <laughs> yeah. We, but you grew up doing that, man. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a cowboy, you know. I love rope and ride, and like if if I could go back. You're about to sing it that way. You're about to rope yeah, and ride. Yeah. yeah. If I could go back and <laughs> to a time when my grandfather was around. Yeah. And the shit that he taught me, like I do construction because yeah. he did construction. A lot of the, uh, there's three houses over there in my corner that were built by my grandfather. That's so cool. My man. grandfather, James, and they're still standing. One of them I live in, mm -hmm. you know, and the pipe crawls over there on our side, um, the cows, everything, a lot, a lot of it is what he taught me. Yeah. You know, That's not, so cool. not my parents, not anybody else. It it was just hanging out with my grandfather. Yeah. I, that's something that I love to do when he was over building, um, the house that Belinda lives in right now. Yeah. I was over there right next to him. I, that's where I found my love of construction. That's so cool, man. That's like my, my kids are like, they learn a lot of stuff from their grandpa yeah. too because I didn't teach them that. Like, <laughs> my dad be like, hold else. the light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my dad <laughs> teaches the kids. He had more patience with them than he with me. Yeah. So it seemed like they could learn more from him uh -huh. in a lot of ways. But that's that how was, my dad yeah. is with my kids. <laughs> if, if I was holding the light, he'd be screaming at me. If my, if my son holds the light, yeah. he'd be like, hey, son, let me show you. I don't know what it is about when you're a dad and you're trying to show your kids stuff. And you're just like, yeah. oh, get the hell out of here. Yeah, but when you're a grandpa, like, apparently you're like, all right, you know, let me show you a little, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you look at your kid like, Wait a minute, that's not what I remember. That's not how I remember. Right. <laughs> that's so funny. He didn't dude. have that patience with me. No. What the heck? Yeah. Yeah, that's that connection's huge, man. That's important. But I, yeah, I remember your family always being in the in the cattle and, and doing all that kind of stuff back in the day and yeah, we still all that stuff. It. That's how you know all those country songs, huh? And mm -hmm. you remember back in the day when, uh, A, my old boozing days? <laughs> when, uh, here's a little story for everybody out there. But we went out to um, to the river, Lake Martinez. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were riding jet skis. And I went out with my sister Snow. She had all her stuff. The and there was a bunch of us out there. Remember, we went out, I don't know yeah. what that – there was a place that had like a bar or something, but they had karaoke. You remember yeah, that? I, I barely remember it. I don't know. 
But I do well, remember. We shut down the whole bar. Oh, man, we were rocking. No one believed it. You know, we went in, and that's when I was kind of a little fit, too. And you were all you were all in good shape. But I remember. Um, Singing friends in low places. Yeah. We had that whole bar jumping. I remember um, when uh, we went out there, too. Uh, I was like, let me get a shot. You know, and it was like back then I was drinking uh, Jaeger. Jaeger. Yeah. Jaeger was my thing. You know what I mean? And. Um, Anyways, uh, the the Jaeger shots were I don't even remember they were like so freaking small. Uh-huh. They're, they're, they're like little, little ketchup plastic things. Shot yeah, they're like what tattoo artists uh-huh. put their painted. Yeah. We're like, well, how much is a shot? And I remember they were real cheap, so it was kind of like, uh, let me get like you know how much like how much can we get for twenty bucks? Yeah. <laughs> and I remember they just gave us a bunch, dude. We were just like fucking drinking them. And I remember my wife's like, oh no, I ain't babysitting this. <laughs> so they had karaoke, and then we're like, we'll sign up some songs, you know, and. And I remember I signed up like, uh, you know, I'm still like, I'm already you buzzed. You threw in quite a bit of money in that jukebox. <laughs> I was like trying to. Was it a DJ? Or I don't even remember. I, I think it was both. Like, I think at the end of the night, yeah. it became a jukebox. But I remember playing like uh, Johnny Cash and stuff. Uh-huh. And I remember like thinking like, I only know like half of these songs, dude. Oh, he's so still then, put on a show. But uh, yeah, I was rocking it. And then I remember you, you came and you had my back because I didn't have the whole song, but you knew all those songs. Yeah. So we did like Friends of Little Places. Oh, we did, uh, what was it? I'm trying to think, like Rolling Stones. We did Honky uh, um, Tonk Man or Woman. Honky Tonk Woman, that's the song. I don't even remember. Uh, that was so long ago. I don't know, man. We're probably playing Boot Scoot and Boogie. Yeah. I don't know. We were doing all kinds of that. Prime. Dunn, prime country. George Strait. Yeah, <laughs> prime country. It was so funny, though, because like that place was dead. And I remember we started doing that. Mm-hmm. And it was like we had that place popping. People yeah. don't believe it when I tell the story. But it's like there was like like 50 people and they're just dancing to us. They were like yeah. cheering us on and stuff. All hot women, and too. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Everybody's dancing, having yeah. a good time. Like, we yeah. legit look like we like like we're hired entertainment there. I swear, <laughs> we were dancing. Yeah, we were doing the whole thing, man. That was crazy. Hell yeah! <laughs> I don't think back, but that's my one uh, karaoke story. Because I've tried to do karaoke after that, and it's like I only know like a half of the song. Yeah. <laughs> when you're buzzed, you try to read. You're like, I can't read none of this. Even song. when I'm sober, I can't. Yeah, it's like... Even when I'm sober, I can't read and put it together. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what it is. Like I could know a song, but at the same time, when it pops on, I'm like, I kind of get jumbled. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just know when it's when my eyes start getting glossy. I'm there trying to read the lyrics. I start making up my own lyrics yeah. and stuff. All off beat. Nah, 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 nah. Start making sounds <laughs> to sound like the lyrics. Doing rapper's delight. I hit yeah. pop, but I don't stop. I better get out of here. But yeah, it's like, that was a good night, man. That was fun times. Yeah, yeah. So you ever go out and do the country scene anymore? Um, You know what? I went to the Renegade probably about a month ago. Oh, for real? And that's the first time I've been to the Renegade. And it was actually... Decent. We wanted to we wanted to go to uh in cahoots, but in cahoots is closed. So. Oh, you met your lady at in cahoots, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's why we wanted Line to dancing go there. Or what? Yeah, but <laughs> they yeah, it's closed now. It's yeah. closed down. So we went to um the renegade and the renegade was actually pretty cool. Had some line dancing. Um, my lady was drunk. I wasn't. And <laughs> I kind of sat in the corner like a little Debbie Downer, but. <laughs> I was like, come dance, come yeah, work. I, I don't Do you like dancing? Line dancing. She, yeah. she asked me, she's like, how, how can you be a real cowboy if you don't know line dancing? I said, 
what real cowboy knows line dancing? I'm not a dancer. I know how to rope and ride. I don't know how to dance. I'm native. We round dance. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Give me a drum. I'll go around and around all day. Oh, snap, man. That's crazy. But, you know, the, like, do you ever look back at those old party days when you were really going for it back in the days and, and miss that or not? Mm, no, I don't. I don't miss it. I learned from it. Yeah. It's yeah. it's something that I look at and I can have stories from. And I learned big lessons yeah. from. Yeah. I it, wouldn't be the man I am if I honestly didn't have those days. Yeah. Because I've learned like what to do what not to do what to say what not to say i met a lot of people i mean like it's it's something that i wish everybody can could experience you know like sure. meeting all the people you do while you're partying and all that but it, it's it's not what it's all cracked up to be you know yeah yeah. Well, you know, like what I say, you, you don't, um, you, uh, you learn on your losses. You don't learn on your wins. Yeah. So <laughs> unfortunately that lifestyle, that's why I don't do it anymore. Yeah. I try not to, but no, yeah. it's been, it's been five years for me that I haven't had anything like that. I, uh, my wife and I, we, um, for new year's resolution, we're like, we're gonna give up soda. We're gonna give up drinking. We're gonna give up like fast food and all stuff. Jesus. So I, it's been five years. I haven't drinking any soda or any alcohol or anything like that. And just, and, and I was kind of already easing out of it anyways. Yeah. But yeah, I fast food. I couldn't hang I, that. I went back to after yeah. about a couple months, but, but it was like, yeah, I haven't got any soda, nothing like that. And it's just like, uh, but it's good because it's like, um, I did go through that period of my life and it's like, I don't encourage anybody to have to go through that. Yeah. But if you are in that period of your life, you can't step away from it. Yeah. And it's not all like bad, you know, like you can look back and be like, man, you know, I learned this and that. Yeah. I learned a lot in those days, you know, I learned a lot of humility because when I wasn't drinking, I didn't have my first drink till I was 25. Mm -hmm. So I, I look it back. It was like, I think I had a little bit of an arrogance at 25 where I was like, all oh, these guys are drunk, you know, and yeah. it's like, I didn't have that empathy to think about yeah. what, why they do it or, you know, um, understanding of what that lifestyle is like or anything. Exactly. So after I got into that a little bit, I could see kind of like why some of our people live in that for years and years mm -hmm. and they're so comfortable in it. I get it, you know, and I don't have any... Um, it's easy to fall into. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't have bad feelings towards people like that or nothing. I don't have yeah. a bad heart on that. Because, you know, my mom used to tell me, um, she would say, you know, a lot of times, like, those are the most humble people in our whole community are those people that are, you know, like, the outward, like, the really bad alcoholic drunks, you know? And yeah, it's like, I, I, we don't want to admit it, but she would yeah. say, like, she goes, you know, when you go to these funerals, she goes, look around, who's, who's digging? You know, back in them days, in yeah. the 80s, it was like... All the guys who were digging, a lot of them were hardcore drinkers. Mm -hmm. And it's like they didn't have a lot to give the community, but they gave what they had. You know, yeah. if it was just labor, then they'd show up and dig. Yeah. If it was like someone needed help in their yard, they'd go over and help out and mm -hmm. throw them a couple of beers and they'd be really thankful. If not, that was cool too. Exactly. You know, and it's just kind of like a real giving in a, in a real peaceful, like, kind of way, you know. But yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's easy crazy. to down those people, but yeah. just, there are people too, you know. Yeah, it's crazy too because it. it like what you said, it, it not passes on from every res, but it seems like you got in every res 
those same kind of people like yeah the archetype is yeah, there. yeah exactly yeah. like you can look at somebody and be like that looks like so and so that's just like, like i know yeah. you I, you don't know but i yeah. know you. yeah yeah exactly and there's so many like i don't know i don't know if anybody's written a book on that yet if so i would love to read it there but should be it should be man maybe, maybe yeah. we need to sit down and write one but i tell you like that like every res has um uh, you have like, and every family has like the very overly cultured person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's holding the language. Wow. Up this. Hey, it's all me. <laughs> Guilty. But like, and then every every family's got like that one dude that's like really good with everybody. Chill. Let's go play some horseshoes, softball, whatever it is like that. And my you brother beefs like that. Overly educated. Yeah. Looks down on everybody. Okay, now I'm feeling attacked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, you do. You have like the, those like yeah, archetypes, no, you know? You have like the, the uh, protester, you know? You have the... <laughs> You have the guy that's kind of probably made for counsel, you know, there yeah. is every yeah, meeting the and they want you to, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You. you have the yeah. violent resonated guys show up ready to fight. Yeah. The guy you don't take downtown because yeah. he's like, oh, don't bring that guy. No. Go downtown and it's like, oh, I guess we're going to in fights tonight. <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> Can we they, do some of these guys? They always home? said that about me and Goo. <laughs> yeah. Josh and Birdo would be like, nah, We're all chilling. Next thing you know, like you see the whole yeah. crew rolling. <laughs> Like, oh, look at the watch. It's like midnight by two o'clock. It's cut, yeah, it's cut off time. Wrapping through Stingery. Or, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So how much did, uh like, the fight game, you know, the MMA and all of that, how much, like, in that period, you're, you were, uh, first off, you dropped a lot of weight. I remember you were, like, you've always been pretty lean and good shape, but, like, yeah. you had a little bit of the, the belly from boozing yeah, a little bit. Like, and I remember you had a solid six-pack. You were... You're looking pretty damn good, man. You were you were hitting it up, working I out was all like the time. One eighty at the time. Okay. And Kevin hit me up. He's like, "Hey, cause um, he's like, come train with me. I want to, I want to train." He's like, "I just started training at the dungeon, and they train to fight too." Mm-hmm. I was like, "All right, I'll go check it out with you." Like, I I didn't think nothing of it. I, that day, I just threw on basketball shorts, a tank top. I was like, all right, let's go. Let's go check it out. So I went there and did my thing. And the next day, I was fucking sore. <laughs> sore. I hadn't done shit like that in years. And I was sore. I was, I think I was like 23 at the time. So... Biggie hits me up the next morning. He's like, are you ready to go, cuz? I was like, what the fuck you mean you ready to go? This is everyday shit. <laughs> I already went like, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, we got to go again today. I was like, all right. And he's all, he's all you're uh, you're motivating me to lose weight, cuz you're losing motivating. <laughs> that's when he was yeah, big, yeah. big, That's when he was Biggie. Yeah. Yeah. That's when he was Biggie. Yeah. And so I kept going with him, kept going with him, kept going with him. And then I, I met Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. Chris Brown jumped in to the dungeon, and so then I started fighting with Chris Brown and Marky Currow, and then we we had a little fight team right there out yeah. the dungeon, and then I didn't even think about fighting. I just wanted to be the little best exerciser, you know. I didn't, yeah. I didn't want nobody to fucking jump higher, run faster than me at all. And at that time, I felt like I was an old man, 23 years old. I thought, oh, I'm an old man. Well, I got to prove something to everybody. But then I started getting these dudes that that could fight with me. I was like, all right. 
And then Jerry introduced me to uh, Yit. Oh, yeah. And he's like, you want to fight at Kempo? I was like, sure, why not? Yeah, those are fun. The fights at the Golden Acorn yeah. up there? Like, yeah, those are cool. Yeah, so I did a fight up there. And I lost that one. I gassed out. And then I went to the... Uh, the um, I kept training. I was I was pissed off that I fucking lost. I was pissed. I remember watching that. I I could see you gas too because yeah, you're winning. You're I looking was good, and then so gassed. yeah, that's what things somebody don't people who don't do that do not understand yeah. the cardio. Like you could see a dude, dude could look so solid or whatever, but it's yeah. like you know the cardio is crazy, and then yeah, on top of that, the yeah. adrenaline dump. Yeah. You get so psyched up to go in there about thirty seconds, minute in, and you're just like it just hits you. And yep. you're carrying, it's like carrying wet blankets on you. Yeah, just like, most, most street fights yeah. are a couple seconds yeah. long, you know? Yeah. And after it went over 30 seconds, I was like, fuck, what the fuck is this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then I had that adrenaline dump, like everything just fucking crashed on me. I was like, what the hell? So I got, I got put in a triangle, had to tap. You're like, thank you. I'm the, tired. Yeah, I went back to the drawing board. And yeah. then my buddy Crutch hit me up. He's like, hey, you ready to fight at the LA Sports Arena? I'm like, this one needed to fight at the LA Sports Arena? He's like, yeah, I got a, uh, I got a videographer that wants to come down and film you. Yeah. And he's all, he filmed The Simpsons. And, um, do you want to fight? It's for uh, felony fights. Oh, the, yeah, that's right. That's the right. Cops vs. Cons and yeah, all that. Yeah. Cons. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, who am I going to be fighting? He's like, you're going to be fighting a Marine. I was like, all right. <laughs> fight anybody. So, yeah, I was like, all right, whatever. At the time, I was on the skinny side because I was working out. I was yeah. all lean and cut. I, I think I had like 3% body fat, whatnot. I think I was walking around at like 170 pounds yeah so i signed the contract to fight at the la sports arena i didn't know what was gonna go down i heard e42 short um psycho realm be real we're gonna be there a tattoo convention it's like all right so i i expected something like when it actually came time to it that it was going to be like a golden acorn fight like they were just going to put us in a knock us in another little convention center like mm -hmm. it, it wasn't going to be as big as it was well i took josh with me my brother rob with me and we got up there, and then I went to weigh in, and Debo was there behind me. Yeah, I remember seeing that picture. I'm all, yeah. what the hell is that, Debo? Debo's over there staring at my rod. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ, guy. Debo from Friday, for those yeah. who don't know who Debo is. Debo from Friday. Yeah, I forget his real name, but I just, he's just known uh, as Debo now. Oh, I remember it. I remember his old wrestling name. What was it? Oh, man, he was on that... Uh, I'm gonna have to look that up. Him and Hulk Hogan made a movie, No yeah. Holds Bars, back no, in the day. I, I, know exactly I forget his name, about. but um, yeah, I usually remember that. But yeah, Debo from Friday. Yeah, um, that was pretty cool though. That he was the guy doing all the weigh-ins and yeah. everything. That was cool. And then, uh, 
we go the next day because it was it was just at a little ghetto hotel where we did the weigh-ins so i still didn't believe what was going on and then all of a sudden the next day comes in they give us routes to the la sports arena and we get there i meet up with my mom and or actually i was with goob rob and josh at the time and then i met up with my mom there's LAPD gang unit helicopter flying around. There's <laughs> LAPD gang unit vehicles. There's yeah. already people fighting in the parking lot before we even got in. That's what's so good about the yeah. MMA scene and in, 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 uh, the West they, Coast. Yeah. They have those small shows and you see craziness. But even when you take it to it become a big show, there's still like yeah, people there all hyped up wanting to scrap. Crazy. <laughs> it was so crazy. And then I get inside and they wouldn't let me out of the locker room. Everybody else was allowed to go out. So they're telling me what's going on outside. There's 16,000 people. And I'm I'm just like, when they came back in, Goob and Rob came back in because Josh was doing pad work with me and stuff. Goob and Rob came back in and they're like, there's a lot of fucking people out <laughs> there, dude. I remember seeing that, man. There's that a gnarly. lot of people. And so it comes my turn. It, I was the first fight of the night. And they had a they had a concert. It was E forty two short, um, Psycho Realm, Be Real, Daz Corrupt, and this was right after uh, Nate Dog died. So they had a big old thing for Nate Dog, and so all the lights went dim. It was like ten o'clock at this time, so everybody was drunk in the crowd. <laughs> there were people fighting in the crowd, and. It was dark in the arena, and they hit the lights, and then my music started playing. I was like, all right, it's go time. Let's get this shit. Walked out to the thing, did my shit, got my win, walked the fuck back out. And then the fights didn't end till like, I think it was like 2.45 in the, in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was definitely like they put that together to be like entertaining, and they knew yeah. they were getting that oh, yeah. that crowd that like they were out to party. And, yeah, like, exactly. Real, yeah, that's all it was. Yeah, that was a cool thing though. The imagery was cool, all the yeah. pictures and stuff. Like I, I have that. Um, if you want me to show it to you, I will. The the video um, that they made before that they they played on the um, what's that thing called the Megatron or whatever? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I walked out. Oh, you still have that? Yeah. yeah I will scope that. It's on Vimeo or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. It's a dude, the, the editor or um, main editor of The Simpsons. Oh, okay. His name is, uh, shit, I forget right now, Eric Estrada or something like that. No, that's doing chips. <laughs> yeah, you almost got me. You almost got me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. a cool time, man. Yeah. I was doing that. And then uh, after that, I forget. I forget how it came to. Yeah, I took a piss. Yeah, let's take a break real quick, man.
So with all of um your your uh fighting and everything like that, man, all this stuff, did you you had sponsorships and all that kind of stuff for all that or what? Um I'm trying to think a, back. I had I had a few, like I had uh smoke signals, um, Shout out Josh Craddock. Yeah, hey. shout out Josh Craddock. Um I had Keg and Bottle, um, Spring Valley. Um, I went to Barona, I went to Saquon, I went to Diehas, and they kind of just looked at me like I was nothing. It was it was kind of an insult, you know. That hurt. It, oh yeah, it, it hurt bad. Like they they just looked at me like I was nothing, you know. I go down, I I dig grave for Saquon, I dig grave for Barona, I dig grave for Diehas. And and I'm not saying that's the only thing that should get me enrolled, but like when people need me to act like an Indian, then they call me, you know, when they need yeah. me to dig grave, when they need me to sing, when they need me to do this and that, they they call me. But when I go to them to help me out with paying my expenses to go fight where they can show their name to 16,000 people yeah. at the LA sports arena. Then all of a sudden they don't know me. Yeah. I, you know, I remember back in those times and look at me here again, I was on the committee. Hey, no. yeah. I, I remember I, I did do like uh, here at Viejas. I was on the, um, the contributions committee for a few years. And I remember we would get like a binder of all these contribution people want us to con contribute. Yeah. And it was always rough because like it's like if you didn't have a tax ID number, then like maybe we we you know that would be a, a parameter where we we'd say like, we're not going to respond yeah. to you or whatever. But you get all these these sponsorships in, and I used to always think like you know like our own native people should have kind of preferential treatment. Yeah. And, I, and at times I knew that we did that, and there was times where I kind of felt like maybe we didn't do that. Yeah. Because I have heard from other people who have looked for sponsorships. Um, especially in that time period where I think people didn't understand, like, we need to really be investing in our own people who are trying to go out and do something. Yeah. It could be sitting in the res doing nothing. Exactly. But if they're out there trying to promote, trying to put, you know, and I think people at that time too, MMA was kind of like, uh, like, oh, there's out there fighting. It's violent. It's, you know, people still had that old yeah, 1993. Now it's a sport. It's legitimized. It's on ESPN, yeah. you know, and so people know it's, it's a promotional thing. I know like Viejas, people didn't want MMA or fighting here. For a minute and there was yeah. all kinds of kind of smaller promoters native promoters that were like hey let's have some fights it's good to bring people in it's a good crowd it's a young crowd that wants to you know it's entertainment yeah but there's people that are like no nah, we don't want to do that and then with fighters coming in you know it's i know um now it's different because i see some of the res fighters um you know there's a couple in paula you know shout out to uh you know the campo has a couple but you yeah. see on their banners you see some of the like yeah, you know, see, you see some of the native brands that we have locally. You see, um, like Res Jitsu. You know, you see like uh, the tribes are now sponsoring it. But I know when you're fighting, one like that. I didn't, no, I didn't no, see that. No, 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 and and now now I look at it like even now, I'm not gonna name no names, but Vieja sponsors somebody that they excluded from their tribe. Yeah. Like how does that work? Like it it doesn't make any sense to me. You exclude somebody from your tribe and your reservation, but you sponsor them to fight. 
Like that is weird. How'd you say that? Yeah, that don't that don't jive. That don't make no yeah, sense. Yeah, that, that that makes no sense. So here's the other question I would have. You know, and not to get too personal, or you know, if you don't want to share, I understand. But you know, I feel like maybe um, like does tribal enrollment have an issue with that? Now I've known you. We've talked tonight a lot about you know growing up on this reservation. You grew up on this reservation. You rode bikes with everybody. You went to school with everybody. You defended people at times. You you know you've just been a, a member of this community. My whole, you know, your whole life is I've grown up just seeing you, you know, you'd, you'd be over at my sister's house, my nephews and things like that. Your brother, you know, I, I know your family, um, you know, our family's known each other since before we were ever here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your, uh, your, your great grandma or, or your grandma, whatever, did my mom's hair when she got yeah, married and stuff, you know, she did it. She, she did my mom's hair when she got married. I don't know if you exactly. knew that. That's no, back I in the seventies. Yeah. So, you know, back in those days, you used the res economy. So if you knew someone that took pictures, you had them take pictures. Exactly. If you someone did hair, you had them do your hair. If you knew someone made cakes, you had them make cakes, which is, by the yeah. way, we got to talk more about that in a minute because we really got to yeah. get back to that as opposed to this idea of everybody on the outside. Um, we should be listening and entertaining them more than our own people, Yeah. which I think is, it isn't in line with it is in line with what we're talking yeah, about, which is travel that's enrollment. A, that's a trip. It, it, it we don't even accept our own people anymore. Mm -hmm. We would rather hire out and figure something out where we hire a white man or a Middle Eastern person to do something for us or to sponsor us like for fighting or something like that. Like, why not take care of our own people, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, just because I'm not an enrolled member in this tribe doesn't mean you guys can't help me out. Or just because I'm not an enrolled member in another tribe mm -hmm. doesn't mean you guys can't help me out. Like, I'm not asking for a handout. I'm asking to promote what we can do a part of our community you know i'm not saying like fighting wise i'm not saying that promoting me as a fighter means i'm going to bring violence to the reservation mm -hmm. you know maybe these kids on our reservations need to learn discipline what i learned brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah you know boxing and it's not all violent what everybody thinks it is you know i don't i don't know what everybody thinks like if they can't help somebody out that is part of their community but isn't you know what i mean like yeah. Well, you know, like right now, for instance, it would be a good opportunity, you know, like you're talking about fighting, but like now you're doing a lot of construction. You're you're up and coming with your construction. Yeah. You know, you're looking to put together a company, you know, a lot of these kind of things, you know, you, you got to get a contractor's license. You got to, you know, a lot of these things take seed money. A lot of them do take community support or a support basis. Yeah. They take a, a capital startup. And it's like, as a community, we should back you. And when, when you're in the position to say, hey, does anybody need some work done? We should be hiring you if uh, or people like you who are from the community. If people have uh, a new construction company and we're going to do a housing project here on the res or we're going to build something, even if it's a shed in the back or if it's, you know, whatever it is, an awning or, or a, you know, 
We should be hiring our own people to come do that. Exactly. We're taking that chance exactly. on our own people to build our own industries, build our own, and and really invest in our own people. Yeah. And we don't do that. I don't. I think a lot of times we don't do that enough. If we do do it, we don't do it enough. Because no. too often, you know, you'll see people start up companies like that and then they die out. But then we're real quick to to kind of keep afloat these non-native or people aren't from our communities. And give them all this money and trust them. And a lot of times you get screwed over you know, with that. You know what I think it is? They have no buy-in to us. I, I think it's because some of these people look at us and they see me like I'm young. You know, they've seen the mistakes I made as a, as a child. And they think, oh, you know what? Maybe he's going to make these mistakes as a contractor. You know what? I'm not. I I haven't turned around my life, and I haven't made these switches in my life, and tried to be a contractor to just fuck my whole life up. You know? Right. I want to do things to better my tribe. I want to do things to better my people. Yeah. You know. And I'm not a, I don't, I don't even feel like I'm a part of a tribe, you know? I'm supposed to be from Verona, but I claim Viejas right now to the day I die. Yeah, well, you were raised here, man. Yeah. You were, you were, and you like with all the, like we talked, we've been talking about, you know, all those experiences and yeah. living here. And, you know, one thing you, you touched on, and for those listening that don't know our culture, um, you know, when we pass on one of the, the the ceremonies that we really still have that's strong amongst us natives in our region, of course, is our funeral ceremonies. And and we went at one point we're cremating here in Kumeyaay country, but now we bury. And there's a lot of history as to why we went to that. But there's a lot of nuance and a lot of history, and there's a lot of tradition in the practice that we have of burying our people. It's not just we dig a hole and put somebody in there. There's a lot of tradition in there, and it's been passed down shovel to shovel. And, as, and there's an oral tradition attached to that. And you can't learn it unless you're there doing it. You have to get up and go have that, that morning breakfast and show up there when the sun's not up and dig. And you earn that through your, your hard work. And the, the older guys that have been out there, they did it when they were young. And they were there doing it when the ones who were passed on, you know, they were the leads and they were young guys. And it's yeah. been passed down now. Yeah. And you were out there as a young guy, 10, 11 years old, younger, yeah. shoveling, you know, doing the things that young kids do. And then My as you got older... Me. You know, My dad you told me, up. get in there, throw these, yeah. throw these shovels of dirt out, you know, grab that jackhammer. He was right behind me holding the jackhammer because it weighed more than me, but yeah. I was still in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, and I don't necessarily feel bad about it because I don't. Yeah. But at the same time, these people look at me like, I'm not part of them. Like, you know, that, that kind of hurts. Yeah. You know, like I could go put in my blood, sweat and tears for somebody else's family that is crying. And I'm not saying that digging grave is the only thing that should make me native, but I put in a lot more work than that, that, People should recognize. Yeah, at least as a human, that you're part of the people, right? Yeah, that I'm. Yeah, that I'm a part of them. You know, 
like I I don't I don't know what it what it would take when I get in when I get an enrollment number then are people going to start treating me different Yeah you know I always hear people describe like tribal enrollment and they talk about it being like a morality thing and it, and I heard that one time and I thought like well, how is that a morality thing I didn't understand that but like thinking about what you're talking about it makes it real clear like we could have somebody in our community could be born and raised in that community, hang out with all the other kids, be just like all the kids, all treated the same, fed off the same tables, um, go to school with all the kids, become an adult with all the kids, make the mistakes with everybody. And then when they turn 18, oh, well, you're not part of these people anymore. And then, okay, so you're going to treat them differently. Exactly. There's a morality there. And then like you're talking about, you're raised in a, in a tradition, which, you know, we have a lot of traditions, a lot of culture amongst our people. Not everyone's a singer, not everyone's a cook, not everyone's a digger, not everyone's whatever, but exactly. we all have parts and pieces that our families have have held on to and given to us as we grow up. The way up. that we make up our community. And we learn, that's our yeah. community. Yeah. And so you're part of that fabric from a very traditional way of being passed down. And then to be told like, well, thank you for your work. Thank you for coming and busting out. Well, you ain't shit to me. But yeah, you're not, you're not really one of us. Yeah. That's, I don't know, that's really hard. It's a, it's, um... I can see why people would say that's a morality issue. Yeah, and and see, and it's not, it's not like I shouldn't be there. My little brother, he has the same blood as me, but our dad was married to his mom. Our dad was not married to my mom. So that makes him better than me? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's no, it don't. I'm gonna say no, it don't. I've known you, you're, you're, you know, I'm a little older, so I've known you your whole life, and you're a member of this tribe, and I can't think of how many times that I've seen you there busting out for our people, you know, in many ways. And uh, digging's one way, but it's not the only way. No, I, I mean, I, when we did cultural programs or educating the youth, mm -hmm. you know, you're always there helping to cut the willow and help. I mean, just always helping around. And but I, you know, you're not alone in that either. I, I always hear. This story in Indian country around where it's like oh, I was yeah. raised in a community, you know, and, and reality is, is when you get to all of this, you get people who, you know, the reality is, is this, is that this, it was designed in the 1800s, right? In the late 1800s. Mm -hmm. And and this was real empowering for me when I learned this, because I was raised up old school. Like, if you want to have your kids enrolled, then you better go hook up with someone you know, from that's Indian or you better hook up with someone's got papers yeah. or in our res, it was like, you better hook up with someone from VAS or Barona. Just like a dog. Just like a dog. And, and otherwise your kids ain't going to be enrolled. Yeah. And so my parents are both native, their parents are native, you know? So I ended up, yeah, I was, I guess you're kind of conditioned to think that way. So I did, I hooked up over the woman from San Isabel and our, you know, we have our kids and all that kind of stuff. I've told my kids that if you want to be with a native, you know, you want your kids to be native then you need to go hook up with native people. And it's like, you, you know, you, you hear these, things and you're, you, you tell you, you kind of keep it going yeah, without even thinking. Exactly. But I remember being uh, at a point when I was learning about um, history of the late, you know, the mid 1800s when this was all created in America. Mm -hmm. And what was empowering to me was to know that this didn't just happen in America, these practices, they happened in, you know, like the Polynesian islands, they happened in Australia, they happened in um, to the Maori over in New Zealand. You know, they have a whole stolen generation in Australia, happened in Canada, happened all over yeah. places where people were colonized. And it was a science. It was like a real faulty racial science where they, they truly believed that, okay, you take these uh, these dark people, 
you know, and they're on the side of a spectrum. The spectrum is that they're are primitive, quote unquote yeah. primitive, yeah. meaning they're like a primate, like an animal. Yeah. And then on the other side of the spectrum is you have the civilized people who are human and they are uh, they're light skinned, they're white, they're represented as European. And so the spectrum is there. So and they are normal and they're normal. And so. You know, how long does it take for a person to go from primate to, to normal? Mm -hmm. And, you know, in that time period, they thought, well, it takes four generations for that to happen. So you take a person, they hook up with a non or the, you take a, an Aboriginal or an indigenous person, yeah. you hook them up with a European, their kids are now half breeds. Yeah. And so now we start at that point, we start looking at ourselves like, like we're dogs or, or some kind of thoroughbred mm -hmm. horses or whatever. I like to think of horse when I think of myself, not as a dog. <laughs> <laughs> the black stallion rides. Yeah. But, you know, you're a half breed, which is like half. How are you half of a person? That makes no sense. Yeah. You know, and so, okay, their kids become the quarter, right? So that's the third generation. And then the fourth generation, um, they be, you know, and that, that fourth generation, by the way, you have all these racial terms that come out yeah. of that time period. Like a quadroon is what they would call a lot of African yeah. uh, Americans, you know, later on. It was it meant that you know, your forefather was a slave, you're yeah. a quadroon. And so, but the bottom line is they said, okay, every generation, they're going to be culturally assimilated a little bit more. They'll forget their language, their old religion, or their, you know, their belief patterns. Um, and they'll become, uh, here it was Americanized, but over their side of the world, it was like Europeanized, you know? So okay, bottom line is they're, they're being, a, they're being, they're being European, colonized. colonized, right? Yeah. And then that fourth generation, if you look at them, you're not going to see trace of any indigenousness. So you're not, they're going to look like, like a European, Yeah. you know, and you see that amongst our people, you go to any tribe, um, especially ones that have had a, like a long history of, of, uh, of um, mingling with non-natives, you know, intermarriage, mm -hmm. you see that a lot of the kids don't have the dark skin. They don't have the dark hair. You'll see blonde hair, blue eye, light skinned people. And oh, so yeah. genetically they have been kind of bred out. Yeah. The, the indigenousness has been bred out. There are goods to that. You have positives where like, you know, maybe they're not now as inclined to get diabetes as a full blooded, mm -hmm. you know, native. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, though, the psychology of it is you're you're telling somebody you're one quarter this, you're one eighth that, you're one half. You're not a whole yeah, person. And, it's, and it's so, ridiculous. you know, if you go four generations down, they realize that you would not have the quote unquote blood enough to be part of that membership and you would not have the culture connected either. And so the culture was taken to the boarding school. But then the genetic part that was taken through intermarriage, and 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 you know they knew that in the late 1800s. Are we gonna fight a war and decimate all these people and steal their land? We don't need to do that if we just put them on these reservations, put them in really hard predicaments. Over time, they will, you know, if we re-educate them, they will start to just slowly drift as a people, and they won't be here. Yeah. And so when I, when I learned that, when I learned all of that stuff, the uh, you know the Dawes, you know. Um, the Dawes Act and how that was made to re-engineer our society, you know, to go become, get away from our traditional way of living. When I learned about General Pratt and Indian, Car you know, Carlisle Indian School, where it was like, save the man, you know, kill the savage and all that kind of stuff. When I learned all that stuff, for me, it was like an eye opener, like, whoa, man, we are on right now on course to just not be here in two generations or three generations. Yeah. Like, it's a miracle that we're still here. People don't realize that. And so you look at everyone's family and some people walk around and I have kind of a look, I admit, like I have the long hair, I'm dark and all of that. But in my family, I have family who is no less native than me, but they're blonde and blue Smoke eye. Man. Yeah. And, and, and all that, you yeah. know, and um, I have nephews and nieces like that. And it's like, they are of my family. They're of me. They're no different than I. We are the same. Um, so, you know, and who determines 
what they are and what they are. Yeah. Isn't that supposed to be the creator? Yeah. But no, we use these documents to decide that. And it's um, it's terrible, man, because what people don't realize is everyone's going to be in that same boat. If they're not there now, two generations from now, everyone's grandkids are going to be in that oh, boat. Oh, yeah. Unless you start hooking up with your cousins, but that not ain't happening. Not even two generations. It's, it's happening it's now, like, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, you could see it around... I see it around every res I go to. It's rough, dude. You know, and it's a slippery slope, too, because you go like, well, if everyone's native, then nobody's native, you know? Like, yeah. you have to have a membership. And so I get the idea of, like, you know, because a lot of times, too, the people who are complaining the most about it are the ones that don't have the blood. Yeah. You know? But at the same time, you have to look at every single tribe differently because it is part of the sovereignty. Part of the sovereignty, you should be able to choose your own leaders, make your own decisions, choose your own membership. Yeah, but one of these right? days that sovereignty is going to be gone because there's not going to be an Indian race. Yeah, there's not going to be nobody to carry the sovereignty. Nope. It's gone. And all that land and all that greed connected yep. to everything, it's not going to matter in the end when nobody can hold it, right? Yep. Nobody can have that. You know, the thing about you, though, is your situation's a lot different, you know? Yeah. It's like a – usually you have a loophole to get you into things. You have like a reverse loophole – that kind of screwed you out of that yeah, and that your your tribe is saying that like you got to be married in order to have the children yeah enrolled. you know what the fucked up part is though my my little brother on my adopted side my mom tina yeah and his dad tiger mm -hmm. weren't married but Tashi can get enrolled. Yeah. How the fuck does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, they I don't say, know. They say, oh, we don't accept DNA. But they accept DNA when it comes to um, child support. Yeah. DNA can kill somebody on death row. You know? Yeah. If... If somebody killed somebody and their DNA was on a knife in a federal court, county court, state court, that dude would swing. Yeah. So what, what doesn't DNA do, you know? What are they so scared of? Yeah. I There's mean, obviously something that they're scared of. There's only... Now, there's only three or four of us besides me and my brother. That are in the same predicament of yeah, having the so genetic. There's only, there's only one or two of okay. us. And last time they went to the meeting to switch the um, switch the enrollment ordinances, what they call customs and traditions, they started a big old fucking fight. Because one person had a baby with someone that they're not married with now. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's fucking greed, dude. Yeah. It's, it's a mess all over too, though. You know, like it, a lot of this stuff is easier personalized, but I think you yeah. see it all over though, where you have like, it gets written down and you go, what's the intent? Of this rule. Why was this rule created? Yeah. It's screwing a couple of our people over. And we know that they have the genetics. We know yeah. that they have, they've grown up or they're part of this, 
this fabric of the community yeah. and all that. But it, and, and then like you go like, well, what's the purpose of that? Because when you go to res to res, this is something too that was really enlightening for me uh-huh. is that you go to one tribe or you go to one res and they have a whole different policy as to what their membership is. Yeah. So like, for instance, my wife's tribe, they claim all Indian blood. Yeah. So if you have a direct descendant from that tribe, that reservation, then you're you're able to be enrolled Provided you have enough overall Indian blood. Yeah. So if you're if you're half Navajo or half Hopi or something like that, yeah. or, or Blackfoot or whatever, and and you have that blood, then you can be enrolled, even though it's not of that same tribe. You yeah. Know? But you're in that genetics, you can be enrolled there. They count yeah. all Indian blood, which is kind of cool because then, like they're they're going to be around a long time because exactly. as long as That's you keep marrying, it probably should be something like that. Yeah. Um, I know there's some nations out there that they say, okay, once like okay, if I ha- I'm, I'm a parent, I'm enrolled. So my kids can be enrolled. Once they're enrolled, they're kind of counted as like, it's kind of like full blood. Yeah. You know, like there is no blood quantum. It's just, you're a child of that person. It's direct and you're in, yeah. you know, it's not everybody, but just that line going down. Yeah. That seems kind of cool too. Cause again, it shows continuation. Yeah. But um, like my res here, our res, you know, it's like, it's pretty nitpicky. Like I want to say we have one of the more nitpicky I heard that tribal enrollment you, period. Like on, on the enrollment and, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I gotta look into it. I hope yeah. not. Cause I gotta, I gotta go do them. I've been slacking on paperwork on my kids, but, but I do know like another part of this problem is that like um, enrollment's one of those things. You know, they say like on a date, don't talk about religion, don't talk about you know money or whatever. But like enrollment don't for natives talk is about that fucking money. Yeah. Do not talk about. Oh, that's when money. it gets corrupted. That's when it that's gets where uh, ugly. Everything goes out the fucking window, yeah. and that's where. When they had that meeting for me and my brother to get enrolled, they thought they were going to lose their fucking per cap everywhere. That's what they fucking thought. They thought there was fucking hundreds of people that would get enrolled if they passed that law. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from fear because, you know, another common theme is like you'll see, and I've seen this from another, a, a number of reses. It happened here a little bit, but where people don't want to be enrolled or don't want to claim it or don't, they're not from really from the community. Yeah. They just have a connection. Yeah. But the moment a business opens up, then everybody, oh, I want to go get my free something. Yeah. And so people are real apprehensive to be like, whoa, 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 hold on. We don't want nobody enrolled. We want to try to be strict as possible. Yeah. Because we don't want everybody to come in and, and yeah. take from what we no, as a community develop. And you know that, but yeah. But it's funky when you get a situation like, like myself. I'm in a situation where it's like, you know, I look at my mom and um, you know, my grandma was a full-blooded, uh, Kumeyaay from this, you know, community, but she married, uh, my grandfather from the Apache lands. He's, you know, shout out white, yeah. uh, CBQ Apache. Uh, my mom federally is recognized as a full-blooded, um, Native American or what, yeah. American Indian. Yeah. But she comes from two different tribes. So in our tribal enrollment here, she's looked at as one half, which is funky because if you go like, well, what's the other half? And I had to have, I had this conversation with my mom. She goes, well, I'm a half. I said, well, mom, how are you a half? Like when your other, you, you, the other half of you is, is native too. So how yeah. are you not 100% native? And she was like, well, I guess you could say that. And I said, no, 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 that's what you are. You're yeah. 100% native, you know? And just because it's two different tribes doesn't mean that you're not 100% indigenous to this land here, you know, give or take a couple hundred miles. And, and But it's an old mentality of that, of that um, enrollment, colonial, like way of thing, all that stuff's like, it's in all of our elders. It's in all like my generation. You know, we all kind of have that because 
50 years ago, people weren't like not being enrolled. Yeah. Everyone could pretty much get in. Yeah, 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 but yeah. now we're having to experience it. So that's what I was saying. It's like one of those things people don't want to talk about. But, dude, we got to talk about it or else we're not going to have a membership honestly, in 20 years, honestly, 40 years. like you look at these little kids that are being enrolled, like not only in Verona, but all the way around. It's all over, man. There's not going to be a tribe in two decades. It's scary, yeah. It's scary to think about. The presidents are going to fucking be like, you're not even fucking Indian no more, dude. That's, you know, what's his name? Donald Trump. Yeah. Our dear leader. What's his name? Hey, <laughs> Donald. The golden Trump. leader. The golden, <laughs> the orange slice. No, he said that back in the day. They have the interview of him where he's like, what did he say? He goes, he was, he was fighting with the casino. Yeah. At least, and he was like, they don't look Indian. That was his quote. Yeah. They don't look Indian. And then everyone's like, well, that's, you know, what, well, what's Indian look like then? Yeah. You know, like racist mother. But it was like that comment shows a way of thinking. They don't look Indian because we're supposed to, you know, speak our language and dress like they did. Hair. Meanwhile, you don't see white people dress like, you know, um, Abraham Lincoln or you don't exactly. see them dress like George Washington anymore. Yeah. They can change. But us, we have to still wear buckskin. Yeah. But either way, like the image of what we are, you know, where's our language, our culture, our tradition, our, where's our community? You know, that's supposed to be how we define ourselves. But uh, like you're right though, the more we keep spreading out like that, under their rules that we're playing with, yeah, not be the it. more we keep spreading out, the more we're just allowing them to divide us. Yeah. You know what are we? What are we gonna be twenty years from now? Honestly, probably fucking nothing. Yeah. If we keep playing by those rules. That's a real likelihood, right? Yeah. Because people like. Not just this res, and I've, I've talked around to people, but like almost every res in our region, and I know a lot of places, the enrollment, the population hit the absolute lowest in the 20s. Yeah. You know, it hit the absolute, across the board everywhere. There was yellow fever. There's all kinds of stuff that was yeah. in our people. Our population been in decline since the Europeans showed up, diseases. Um, but then you know, right around the 20s, it started to flatline and come back up. And we've been in incline. Our population is inclined. Our res here trip tripled. The next res over tripled. Most everyone in our region has mm -hmm. tripled in, in population. But what we're seeing now, the last few years, and then in the next ten years, everyone's population is stagnant, and then it will start to be in decline. Oh yeah. If it isn't already, it's going to be in decline because you're not enrolling a lot of these kids that are turning eighteen. They're not eligible. But and then so the elders are passing away, the older people are passing away, but the young kids, instead of everyone being enrolled. A lot of them, half of them might be enrolled or a quarter of them can yeah. actually be enrolled. Probably, and so you see a graduating class 10 years ago, they were all enrollable. You yeah. see a graduating class now and you go, wow, out of like 20 of these kids, only four of them were enrolled. Yeah. So numerically you go, okay, well, where are we going to be at? Like you said, in 20 years, numerically, it ain't going to look so good. Yeah, we ain't going to have tribes are gonna keep, 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 start to, to You know what? Around. And I'm not, I'm not just saying this, like me and my brother – gone round and round about this like <clears throat> not round and round like about money or nothing like I just want to feel like I'm a part of something you know like it sucks that I can come up here I can help the youth I can show the youth like at my age now like what I know, like I was over there building the shed for Kylie. I had all the little kids around. I was helping them, showing them how to frame, like stuff like that. Um, 
just little things like showing the kids on my side of the res how to change oil on a car, how like doing little things like that. Like I want to be able to show the kids like what life is about, you know, like show them life ain't about drugs, money, all this other shit. But at the same time, I want to be able to be recognized by my people. You know, I don't know if that makes sense or not. I don't know if it's it's too much collusion or whatever the word is for it. But I feel like I'm neglected by my people. That's sad, man. Because, you, you know, I don't know. I've known you all this time, and I just think of you as one of the people, you know? But I know you can't be the only one that feels that way. Yeah. Because you're not the only one in that boat. Yeah, no. You know? I'm, I'm and, and the sad thing is, is to think that that's what everyone's kids and grandkids are going to feel. You know, they I've, are. I've had conversations with others that are in the same situation, and they've said similar things where they yeah. just feel like, you know, and some kids don't even know they're in that boat until they become 18. And then they're told, like, you can't be enrolled. And they're like, wait, what? I had a, I had a, a youth that I was uh, around a lot and and he was in that situation where he didn't even know that he couldn't be enrolled until he turned 18, everybody turned 18 and they were all going through all these things. And he was kind of told like, Oh, you're not, you can't be part of this because you're not enrolled. Yeah. And he was like, what do you mean? I'm not enrolled. And his family had to sit him down and say, Hey, this is the situation. And, and, and he just didn't know it. And it was, it was a bummer to see. And it's a bummer. And, but you know, with him and with you, I would say too. And there's a couple others where, um, you know, you guys have made a lot out of yourselves despite all of that, you know? And, yeah. and I, I was joking with you a while back, but like saying like, it's almost like some of these benefits have almost been a handicap for some of our people, you know, yeah. where it's like, they get a little too comfortable with it. But um, I do believe it's a moral thing. I really do. And it's something we're all going to experience. You know, my tribe here that I'm enrolled in for everybody out there, I'll give you guys an example. You know, like I was talking about my mom, she can't claim her dad's blood because he's enrolled from a different tribe and that's the you know cbq white mountain apache yeah. um so i'm a quarter of that technically if we're going to do the the old math but um she married my dad who uh, has lived in this community now 50 years he's one of the ogs of bird singing you know yeah. um there's only a few of them that started you know and learned from an old man in the 70s and if they didn't do that we wouldn't even have kumiai bird and so he's been you know he's put his time in to help out our nation um, but he's enrolled in different tribes, he's enrolled in San Isabel. And so I don't get to claim his blood on my, on my enrollment either. So, um, you would think, you know, I would be able to, he's Kumiai too, like me, and he's lived here in his community 50 years, but I don't get to claim his blood. And then I marry a woman from San Isabel, the same res, and both of her parents are from San Isabel. But your kids can claim. But I can't claim, I can't claim my wife's blood. I can't claim it, even though both of her parents are Kumiai. Okay, and she, kids? Uh, so my kids now, now I'm left with this option. I have, I'm left with an option to go. My kids are raised, born and raised in this home here on this res. They've lived their whole life on Vallejo's reservation, where like I have. Um, do they be enrolled there? Do we? Here? Yeah. Do we enroll them in Vallejo's or Santa Isabel? Oh, now here's the thing. Boy. It's messed up because on yes. the books or on the books, Vallejo's rules, they go, okay, I, my grandma's full. My mom is counted as half because they don't count her dad. I'm counted as a quarter because I don't get to count my dad or yeah, my grandpa. Yeah. And then my kids are now the eighth because they don't get to count their mom or all these other people. And so here in Viejas, they're recognized as an eighth, enough to get enrolled, 
right? Yeah. Which is cool. But their kids are going to be in the same boat you're at right now, having those same feelings. Exactly. And it's messed up because if you look on federally recognized, what are they? You know, and, and that's what makes me think like, well, do I enroll them in Santa Isabel? You know, and we haven't really made that decision yet because they do have a lot of friends in Santa Isabel. They have cousins and they have family and they love oh. it up there. And I love the people in Santa Isabel and that's my second home for sure. Um, and, and and everything. But enrollment wise, like I go up there, my kids will be if I enrolled my kids in, in Santa Isabel, they would have more blood than me. They'd have twice as much blood as me. And that's crazy because I'm their parent. And so it's like, what the heck? Because they count all Indian blood. Yeah. Santa Isabel would count. They would take me and they wouldn't say I'm a, a quarter. They would count my grandfather. They would count my yeah. my dad. They would count Vanessa, my wife. They would count her parents. They'd count everybody. And my kids would have all this blood up there. And then their grandkids and great grandkids would be guaranteed enrollment. But here in Vieles, if I enroll them here, as it is now, everything sits. My grandkids are not guaranteed enrollment unless they hook up with someone from this res or Barona. And so the thing is so about tribal amazing. enrollment is that any my kids, they all sing bird and play peon. And I mean, I try to raise them as cultures as I can, yeah. you know, as I was raised. And but you get down to it and you're like, enrollment is so nuanced. It's so like there's so much to it. It's not ever just cut and dry like, oh, they just can't make blood or they're not enrolled it's or they're not. It's greed, it's not. Man. And a lot of it has to do with resource, greed, land. Some of it's misguidedness. People try to put a good law, a rule in for the people, and the effect is so negative. Some of it is they, um, you know, our, our people were just put into the system and they just said, this is how it's always been. Let's keep it going without the real understanding that the system was made to kill us or to wipe us out, no, you know, to drain us it out. Is. And it's crazy because people get comfortable, you know, um, I've, I've seen people like in my boat and go like, well, my kids can be enrolled. And they feel comfortable saying that. But it's crazy because their nieces and nephews maybe can't yeah. or their own grandkids can't. And so it's a real weird thing that we as natives, we really have to like get comfortable talking about it and really start to try to look three gener. You know, we're always told like we look seven generations, you know, three generations, four. Yeah. But do we? This is a prime example no. of where we don't. No. We don't. In the 80s and the 70s, they should have been looking at They're this. They're looking the about 90s. right now yeah. and what money I have right now and what bonus I have coming next. Yeah. That's what I feel. You know? I, I think it's very, I, very common. I, like Barona, accepts all Indian blood. I have Pueblo and Kumiai, and Viejas doesn't. Yeah. You know? Like, so, if my adoptive parents were my adoptive parents, like, if I got enrolled in Viejas, I'd have left less blood than I would if I got enrolled in Verona. Makes no sense, huh? No, the next row is over, you're more Indian doesn't. than if you're here. <laughs> That's, right. like, legit. Like, I could have been enrolled in, in San Isabel, too, because my dad's from there. Yeah. It's like, if I was there, I would be more Indian than I am here. Yeah. Like, so I'm less Indian by being raised and born down and you know, yeah. living and in this community. That? Yeah. And then the whole idea, like, I'm more Indian than you. You're more yeah. Indian than me. We're, you know, I'm more Indian than that person. They're more Indian than... Yeah. Like, you know, it's bad enough. We got all the super Indians out there trying to out-Indian oh, everybody. Yeah. But then you go to the, like, you're not even part of this. Or, like, I'm more Indian. It's a weird... No other humans do that. I don't think so. I don't know if the African-American community is like, I'm more black than you or like the Asian, you know, I'm more whatever than you. No. I don't know that they do that. I mean, maybe they do, but I don't think so. 
I I've never heard of it. I've never heard of it. I've never even seen... even like the like like we were talking about way earlier the Middle Eastern communities like they don't even compare. They just want to help each other. Like let's grow our community. That's the one thing that native world needs to look at is how the Middle Eastern tribes. Yes. <laughs> they're trying to help people to hire our own. Man. Let's help our own. Like it's such a great model. Yeah. Such a great model, man. People and can give those guys grief all they want about I don't care if whatever they, they grief or not. They like, are doing it right. Yes. Look at Alcohol. They came to this country as refugees yes. a couple of decades ago and now they own half Alcohol, half yes. Alcohol. Yeah, like, they're doing something right. And they're and a lot of it's like you say, it's because they just support each other a lot yep. of this. You know, I didn't realize that, but like I was talking to this kid and, and he had his, you know, that's his people, his family. And he was, um, he was telling me that a, a common thing at one point was when they would all come together, they'd all live together in one house and they would save the money, whatever, and they'd buy a business, they'd all work the business. And then all their families, other families would only go to their business to shop if they exactly. needed that. Yep. So the money stayed in house yeah. and they would build and build and save and then buy another business and they would kind of do that. Yeah. And then if you had a family, like I have a family of five, like I should probably have a kid that sells cars, a kid that is a plumber, a kid that's, yeah. you know, into medicine, a kid that's into lawyer. So you then that way, fuck up kid. yeah, you got to have one gangster <laughs> to keep it, just to get defense. Yeah. You got to have the, <laughs> but um, you have all that. And then. So the kid who's a doctor is going to go buy his nice car from the kid who's selling cars. Yeah. When those guys have their house and a leak breaks, you call the plumber over to fix it. All the money just it recycles and you're building each other up. And and you keep that money in house and you're just investing in your own people. Yeah. And over a period of time, you just keep growing and growing those investments and you build. And I see that and I go, wow, man, like in 10 years, uh, I've seen like a couple of families come into our town of Alpine. And they got like five smoke shops. They got like a gas station. You know they got a restaurant. They got... You know what's fucked up? I'll tell you this. A native sees another native creating a good business. That native will tear the other native fucking down to the ground until they won't fucking stand. They cannot see another native fucking come up. Yeah. I don't know any other natives or any other, uh, what's the word for it? Um, uh, a group of people. Race, oh, yes, yeah. race that does that to each other. You know, Mexicans, Mexicans, they help each other out. Middle Easterns, they help each other out. Blacks, they, they help each other out. Indians, you see somebody coming up. They tear them down. Like, yeah. why not help each other out? I've thought a lot about that. You know what I think it is? A lot of that. I think a lot of it is it comes from insecurity. Yeah. I think, it, you know, you live in a small community, uh, you know, and like you're we're all kind of given the same opportunities, whether uh -huh. you come from a very impoverished res or from a very wealthy res, you know, whatever resource you have, you're kind of you're on even playing field. You grew up yeah. in the same community, maybe one family is whatever, but you generally come from a very similar background. And so when you get to a certain a certain stage in life and you see your buddy you grew up with and you know very well and, and they're doing really, really well or they're about to make themselves do well, you have to look at yourself and go like, well, how did they do it when I didn't? Yeah. And I think people get very insecure and they just go, you know what? I would rather – I don't mind that he's doing good. Cool. I'll clap for you at some I'd point. But I don't want to see you kill it because then – 
it makes me look bad because yeah. how come I'm not killing it? Yeah. And so instead of being happy and being confident in, in that we all kill it in our own ways, we just go, well, they look like they're doing better than me and I don't like it. I'm over it. Yeah. You know, and then you start to tear each other down. They're That's why bad. they say like, it's cool to see someone doing well, but they can't do better than you yeah. or better than me. Or you, know, you start no. to tear them down. It's a terrible thing, man. And that, that's another thing that, and I think it's, it's, it's tied into the blood too, because you get those people who are like, I'm good. My kids are good. Sucks yeah. for you. And, see, and it's like, whoa, that's not community. That's not, yeah. our, we were, that's not our teachings. See, and that's one thing, like you said earlier, like, uh, you, what were, what were you saying? Um, me and Birdo are doing better than a lot of people up here. Yeah. We were raised up here, me and Birdo. Yeah. Like, our ties are to this reservation. But we work our ass off to get where we want to be. Yeah. And does the tribe... I mean, I'm not asking for a handout, but I guarantee you if we went to the tribe or... But the tribe and individuals in the tribe, we should be running to you guys to say, hey, you guys are in construction. We want your company. Yeah. Do you you want to bid? Do you want to bid on this? Do you want to bid on this? Like... It's it's not like that. It's like t-shirt companies. A lot of natives, you know, they want to start becoming entrepreneurs. They yeah. go into t-shirts. Yeah. But then people will be like, I don't want to wear that. Yeah. Well, why why not? You'll go pay all this money on some shirt. Oh, it looks line. like Adidas. Yeah. It looks like Nike. But they'll go buy Adidas like, and Nike. Yeah, but they exactly. won't go buy their their, their and a lot of times they're relative too. They won't uh-huh. go they won't buy their own relative shirt to yes. support them. But they'll go spend twice as much yes. on a company that has it's no ridiculous. impact. Yeah, it's terrible. It's ridiculous. So how do we get so out of that, sad. man? How do we get out of that? I don't know, dude. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I know. We got to do something about it, though. Or our race is not going to be anymore. Yeah. Yeah, we as a people got to do something about it, man. But I, Two, I, three decades down the road, our race is not going to be anything. If we have a president like Donald Trump, we ain't gonna be shit. Yeah, what did he hear? He took out the Wapanoag tribe on the east coast, right in the middle of all this COVID. When you know their their uh, tribe was there and signed the papers, put it through that they're done. They lost their federal recognition. They're fighting it, you know, and I hope no they win. But way. how many how many reservations and, and tribal um, groups are identified as executive order, which means a president signed that very nation. You're a done. lot of residents, some of them in our area, all over the country, there's many tribes like that. Yeah. So what that means is if an executive order, the president signed them into becoming a tribe, the president can also unsign them, right? Yeah. Especially if he's got you know a house that supports him. So in theory, yeah, we have four more years of the leader like that, or another one comes that's a little bit worse or just as bad, yeah. which definitely could happen. Yeah, nothing is guaranteed. It very easily could just, everyone's trying to get tribal membership and they're holding on to that and they're holding on to this agree to uh, associate to resource all that could be taken and then they don't have anything then they'll, they they'll, say, they'll be in that same boat yeah and so we donald, gotta, yeah donald trump comes in and says okay let line you guys all up half of you look blonde hair blue eye or three quarter of you look blonde hair blue eye a quarter of you look like indians you guys aren't a federal tribe no more then what? Yeah. These are, I mean, these are things that have been these talked are about. real issues. But they're real issues. They need to be talked about. I mean, I, I think, you know, like, we think about what can we do about it. Number one, we have to admit there's a problem. We have to talk about it. We oh, can't yeah. just be cool with it. And just can't be like, oh, we don't want to talk about it. No, no, let's, let's talk about it. You know, how it's to, coming to light know? these days. Yeah. 
It is. And, it, and it's, it's only going to keep going in that direction. Yeah. And we have to be empathetic to each other and try to hear someone's situation. You know, my, my neighbor, uh, I don't want to mention her name or nothing, but my neighbor, you know, she's one, she's like a activist warrior, you know, she does a lot of good in our community. She's oh, yeah. our, one of our younger speakers in the whole nation. And she can't get enrolled here either because of uh, not collecting all Indian blood and things like that. So, you know, you look at, you look at um, people in our communities, like, I know, I know a singer who's not enrolled in his tribe, but he grew up there. He was part of that community and he's one of their leads, you know, he's their main guy. And it's like, they don't give him that shake, you know? And so it's, it's, it's all over Indian country. This, this very nuanced, what is blood? What is membership? What is, you know? And it's like, I don't have the answers necessarily, but I know it ain't right right now, you know? And, but we got to start talking about it and we got to kind of be willing to expose ourselves a little bit and talk about it. So, man, I appreciate you coming in and sharing, man, because oh, yeah. it takes people like you to kind of say, like, hey, here's what's up, and it's not right, and here's how I feel about it. Because yeah, I, I don't know that a lot of people in this res has even thought about how you feel about that. Yeah, I you don't just feel wanted to bring it to light. Like, I, most I appreciate people it. don't even know what I am and what I am not, you know? Yeah. A lot of people just think, oh, yeah, aunt, you're enrolled in Viejas. Yeah. Most people don't even know I'm not enrolled anywhere. I didn't know that literally until like well, not too long ago, but a while back, you know. And I remember yeah. hearing it and going, "What? How does that happen?" Like, I know your whole family, like your, your brother and cousins, you know, on the same rung. They're enrolled, you know, different yeah. things like that. Like, how to? I don't know. It made no sense, but it, um, it makes no sense. But I wanted to bring it to light. I was, I, I was so glad you invited me on uh, live with the live on the res because I wanted to bring this to light. I wanted to bring to light. The fighting in native, not not fighting in a bad way, but fighting in native communities because I know there's a lot of fighters out there. Yeah, yeah. And I know that we can do some damage, especially mm-hmm. in the octagon. And I hope this brings some. What's the word for it? Um, well, I think it's gonna motivate people. Yeah, you know, exactly. That, you Motivation. Know? A lot of the a lot of the fighters out there in Indian country, a lot of them have like been incarcerated, like you know, come out and are yeah. like trying to get my life straight. And this is what I know, and that's a good thing, you know. Ultimately, we all got to get healthy, you know. My my cousin's always been. I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to be running a marathon here one of these days. No, I made I the pledge, although they canceled the marathon because of everything, the pandemic. So are I'm going to run a virtual marathon. I am, I am. I think I'm going to do something, <laughs> figuring it out. But I think I'm going to run from my wife's res to my res and just check it and be like, I'm alive here. I'm Jesus. starting run it and then throughout the day just kind of go live yeah. until i get home and do something like that you uh, know and uh hopefully there's reception where i so i'm gonna cut through the mountains so hopefully i don't uh, hope that'll pass out and there's no phone reception yeah. <laughs> like, come get me but i'm gonna do it i'm gonna come back you know i'm gonna go through the mountains and uh so i've been training on that but but no you know like whatever way to try to get healthy you know and, and that's what this is all about that's why we do this life in the res you know is like trying to put out a, a true story perspective of yeah. what we're experiencing what we're facing it's not all, you know, Indian flutes in the background and walk 10, 10 laps of the powwow, you know, like we got some real issues, man, you know, people yeah. dealing with stuff we got, you know, and then we got some real structural stuff we got to deal with our enrollment, you know, and, and, and staying healthy of, and promoting each other, building up our business, yeah. supporting one another, stopping the, you know, stopping the crabs in the bucket thing, you know, we, we got to stop pulling each other each down. Other, period. Like, yeah. There's no reason we can't live like the middle easterns and support each other and yeah 
higher in our own, you know, like yeah. we we should be able to own Alpine right now. Yeah. We should. It's our land. Let's take it back, yeah. man. I believe it. I think we should. So There's no reason why we couldn't own San Diego. Yeah. And hindsight's 2020. All of our tribes together. This and there's no saying we won't one day, man. We yeah. might get back to it. We'll get to it. Because I know one thing too is like all of this is a learning. You know, they talk about generational wealth. You gotta also remember generational knowledge. Like we're this is new money for us, man. Yeah. Like people who really own that stuff, they they're centuries into that economy and that way of thinking business. We're just learning the non-native economy. Yeah. So our maybe our kids and grandkids they'll make those they won't make those mistakes. But we gotta talk about it. So I appreciate you coming in, man. Yeah. Appreciate everything. Um, with that, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only kickstand live from the res. Live from the res. Have yeah. a good night, brother.